0: The following audio is from LCBC Church. To learn more about LCBC, visit lcbcchurch.com.
1: Well, I don't know about you, but there are many days that I need to be reminded about the goodness of God, and today is one of those days. Today is a day that I need to be reminded about the faithfulness of God, and today is a day that I need to be reminded that when everything around me seems totally out of control, when, when it feels like I'm walking through a fire, when it feels like just the darkness of night will never end, today is a day that I need to be reminded of the goodness of God. And even on days when I find myself walking away from God or on days when it seems like I'm doing anything but following God, on those days when I feel so distant and so detached from God, it's on those days that I need to be reminded that God hasn't walked away from me. Instead, he's running after me. He's calling me back. He's leading me home. He's holding me in his hands and surrounding me with his goodness. Today, I hope you know that you have a good, good Father who loves you and loves you dearly. And even though you may not feel it right now and even though you may not be seeing it right now and even though you may be wondering if God is even there, does he even care? Does he even know about you? You need to know that you have a heavenly Father that loves you dearly. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving me. Thank you that in the midst of what seems like chaos to us, you're still in control. And you're still there, and you're real, and you know what we're going through, each and everything that each and every one of us are going through, you know it. And you love us, and you care deeply for each and every one of us. God, may we experience your love, may we experience your goodness today. And I pray in Jesus' name. Well, LCBC, it's so good to be back with you after taking four weeks during the month of July for at the movies. And it's so good to be with you while we're on this major detour in life, a detour that we've been on for almost five months now, a detour that we're all still navigating and trying to make sense of in so many ways. And so I've got to say, LCBC, I miss being able to see so many of you. This has been a detour that's changed the way that we do life on a day-to-day basis. For instance, before quarantine, I'd venture to say that unless you happen to work in a medical field, or you worked in a trade that required you to wear a mask, you probably didn't even own a mask. Now, masks are part of our everyday life. Or when you walk into a grocery store, things have changed. There's social distancing signs, there's tape on the floor marking the distance of six feet, and there's plexiglass that separate the employees. From the customers, and if restaurants are even open, the seating is all spread out, usually out in the parking lot. Let's be honest, if you told me six months ago that we were going to go out to eat to a restaurant and we were going to sit in the parking lot for our meal, I don't know that I'd been too excited, but now, I mean, let's go. I'm excited just to be eating out most anywhere. And I'm told hair salons require you to wash your own hair before you come in to their establishment, and bathroom stalls are closed to ensure that we all have adequate space, and these are just a few of the visible things that have changed for each and every one of us. But now almost five months in, we have to be asking ourselves the question, what have I learned over these past few months. I mean, there have to be things that we've learned about ourselves and surely there are things that we've learned about other people. And I would hope that we've learned some valuable lessons about life in general over these last several months in quarantine and how sad it would be if we spent the last five months in quarantine and and we come out of this with nothing to show for ourselves. And I mean, the wise person learns from his or her experiences, both the good experiences and, and even the bad experiences. And Some things we've come to realize that we need to start doing on a regular basis. Other things we recognize, we've got to stop doing those things. And some things we need to just keep on doing what we've always been doing. And so today we actually start a new series of studies that we've entitled Start, Stop, and Keep. And and together we're actually looking at some of the lessons that we've learned while we find ourselves in quarantine. Now, for instance... We asked some of our staff to share what they've been learning about themselves in quarantine, and these are some of the things that they told us. I mean, some said that what they're learning is how much they like being alone, and then the exact opposite. Others said that, man, I realized how much I need to be around people, or... When forced to work from home, one person said, I realized how much I love not commuting to work. And then another person added, well, I wish I could continue only having to buy gas for my car every two and a half weeks. I mean, buying less gas has been great. Or, While being forced to work from home, somebody else said, I learned that my cats don't appreciate me being home 24-7. And then dogs, on the other hand, love having their owners home all the time. While well, having to work from home, one person said, I've learned that I, I love having a bathroom and a kitchen right outside my office at home. And several others said, I'd like to keep wearing sweatpants to work every day. One person said, I, I've learned how to color my own hair. And another said, I've learned the capacity for how much TV I can actually absorb in one day. And they discovered there is a limit. And one parent concluded that teachers should probably be paid 10 times more money than they're currently being paid for having to deal with all of our kids, to which teachers would say amen to that one. And a number of parents said real positives have come out of quarantine as well. They, they said, we started actually having more meals together as a family. And several dads said, I've started actually doing more with my kids. For me personally, I, I was reminded how much effort it takes to lose weight after spending the first four months of quarantine and losing 25 pounds. And then I spent the next two weeks on vacation, gaining 10 of those pounds right back. And and then Ruth and I kind of learned on vacation in Ocean City, New Jersey, we learned the risk of wearing a mask on the beach. It has its drawbacks. And, and we discovered kind of a whole new meaning of tan lines. I mean, they're just, just not the same tan lines when you're wearing a mask. And it's so important that you and I learn from our time in quarantine. And Wisdom is learning from our experiences, both the good and the bad. And the biblical book of Proverbs has a lot to say about wisdom. Proverbs 9.9 9 says, instruct the wise and they'll be even wiser. Proverbs 18.15 tells us that intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. And Proverbs 26.11 is very graphic as it reminds us, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. And bottom line is just saying, Learn. Learn from our experiences. So LCBC, let's not be that foolish. Let's not waste this experience. Let's learn from this experience. And so let me give you a simple definition of wisdom, and and it's this. It's just wisdom is learning from our experiences and then actually living differently because of what we've learned. And it's the living differently that separates wisdom from knowledge. Knowledge is just that. Knowledge is knowing something. Wisdom is actually taking it a step further and doing something with that knowledge, and knowledge understands that the light has turned red. Wisdom applies the brakes. Knowledge sees the quicksand. Wisdom walks around the quicksand. Knowledge memorizes the Ten Commandments. Wisdom obeys the Ten Commandments. Knowledge learns about God. Wisdom loves God. So over the next several weeks, we actually want to share some lessons that we've been learning during quarantine and some lessons that we say, man, we want to start or stop or maybe keep in our lives. And so today, I I actually want to give you three of mine. And my first lesson is that necessity is the mother of invention, meaning that when we can no longer do things the way we were doing them before, that's when we have to get creative, When, when we have no other choices When we get desperate enough, that's when we become most creative. Necessity is the mother of invention. For instance, I saw this lesson play out while we were on vacation in Ocean City. For the last several years... Ocean City has had a seagull problem, and there were seagulls everywhere, and they were becoming aggressive, and it had gotten to the point where you could barely eat on the boardwalk without being attacked and just accosted by all of these seagulls, and you order a bucket of curly fries, and before you even walk away from the counter with your fries, dozens of crazed seagulls would surround you, diving down, snatching away your fries from you, and it was wild, and women and children would be screaming, and men would be flailing their arms, and all in this attempt to fight off the seagulls until this year. And this year was different. There were less seagulls. And I I could actually eat my curly fries without being accosted by seagulls. And, And at first, as Ruth and I tried to watch and figure this out, we didn't know why. And that's until we began to notice that as we were walking on the boardwalk, each time we would see a man or a woman walking on the boardwalk with a falcon perched on their arm. And at first we thought, oh, how cool is that, taking their pet falcon for a walk on the boardwalk. And Then Ruth talked to one of the guys who was walking his falcon on the boardwalk, and the guy began to explain. He said, seagulls are frightened by falcons. They're just a natural predator, and and so just the mere presence of these falcons on the boardwalk had scared the seagulls away, and so from time to time, just in case the few remaining seagulls hadn't noticed these falcons, every once in a while, he would release the falcon to fly as kind of a way of saying to the remaining seagulls, don't even think about messing with David's curly fries, and... And I look at that and I go, man, how smart is that? How creative is that? Somebody at Ocean City is brilliant. Necessity is the mother of invention. So when we found out back in March that we could no longer gather together in person for church, it kind of forced us to be creative. And, And it continues to force us to be creative. And it reminds us that our buildings are not the church. The buildings aren't the church. We are the church. We're the people. We the people are the church. And we're the family of God. But here's the thing even though we're able to connect with each other online, we still find ourselves just needing to connect and we still need to reach out into our communities. And so we've had to be creative in providing ways where we can connect in person as well as online. And we've had to innovate with ways to just impact our communities. And we're still trying to figure all that out. And even though it's different than before, <clears throat> and even though it's not the same as always meeting in person, I am so thankful that we never had to stop being church and we never had to stop doing church. And I'm so thankful that we've been able to connect online and that we're being able to continue to worship God each and every week as we all try to figure out our way through this pandemic. And say, God is calling us to do church differently right now. And and though it's uncomfortable and though it's not the way we would choose to do this, God is calling us to get creative and do church differently right now at this time. And again, necessity is the mother of invention and so our staff is working hard to stay connected with each of you and our staff is working hard to figure out how do we as a church not only do the weekends well but how do we excel throughout the week as a church as well in other words in this altered state how do each of us continue to follow Jesus fully throughout the week and in this altered state how do we continue to share the love of Jesus throughout the week these are challenging times But again, the good thing is necessity is the mother of invention. And I believe some great things are happening throughout the week, even in this altered state. And for example, there have been over 60 different drives at LCBC over the past several months food drives, blood drives, diaper drives, to name a few. And so this week, we actually received a message from the American Red Cross thanking LCBC for all the blood drives that LCBC has conducted with them over the past several months. And in their thank you message, they included a lot of statistics about what all was accomplished through these blood drives. But there were two numbers in particular that jumped out at me in a profound way. One was this. One was the fact that since April, in conjunction with the Red Cross, LCBC has conducted over 35 blood drives. And that's significant because they said the places where they normally would conduct their blood drives, where they traditionally held their drives, they've been closed to the Red Cross because of COVID-19. And so for the Red Cross, just opening our doors and so many of you coming to donate blood, they say it's been amazing. But here's the number that really got me. The Red Cross said that through those 35 blood drives, this is their number, their words, they said 2,787 lives were saved. 2,787 lives, (laughs) physical lives that were saved. And the Red Cross said that's because of you. That's because of us, the church, LCBC being willing to innovate and figure out how do we provide blood? How do we provide blood for those in need? And I say, how cool is that? Almost 3,000 physical lives saved through LCBC over the past four months. And I go, man, way to go. So my first lesson, necessity is the mother of invention. A second lesson that I'm learning is that I need to keep rooting for the underdog, what these past several months have reminded me is that my heart is always stirred when I see somebody standing for an underdog. And, and I've been reminded that my heart is broken when I see an underdog being pushed down, again, while on vacation at Ocean City. Ruth and I, we'd love to ride our bikes on the boardwalk, which they allow you to do that up until noon, and then it just gets too crowded to ride safely. And so as we're riding our bikes, almost each day, we would pass this dad and a teenage son. And each day as we pass this dad and his son, my heart was stirred. You see, this son, I would describe as an underdog. He's an underdog because he has lots of physical disabilities, but this dad was standing up for his underdog son. This dad actually took a bicycle that was meant for two, a bicycle built for two, and out of necessity, he adapted this bike so that his son could sit on the seat in front of him, and then the dad would sit on the back seat, and he extended the handlebars so the dad could steer the bike from the back seat. And then this dad, would wrap his arms around his son, who was seated in front of him on that bike, and they would ride up and down the boardwalk day after day, just, just loving being together, just loving the ride. and My heart was stirred because that's what it looks like to stand up for an underdog. One day after riding bikes, we went back to the condo and we were sitting on the balcony that overlooks the swimming pool. And, and we noticed a mom and a dad who wheeled two teenage daughters into the swimming pool area, both teenage daughters, both in wheelchairs, both teenage girls with severe disabilities. And so from afar, Ruth and I are watching and we watched as his dad literally lifts each of his daughters gently, lovingly out of, this, out of their wheelchairs and with his arms tightly wrapped around each one, one at a time. But one at a time, he takes each of his daughters into the pool. And what's in the water? It was like they're just dancing there in the water with each other as he loves on his daughters, daughters with disabilities and all. And my heart was stirred because that's what it looks like to stand for an underdog. I have a younger brother named Stuart. Stuart is seven years younger than me. Stuart has a number of disabilities that he deals with every day, and Stuart's amazing. We always say, man, if it weren't for his disabilities, I think Stuart would probably be the president right now. Stuart is an underdog. And growing up, because of Stuart's disabilities at school and on the playground, Stuart was often the object of scorn and ridicule by the other kids. And my heart would be stirred for Stuart and I'd stand up for Stuart and I'd defend him. And all the other kids on the playground, I would say to them, knock it off. And as I stood up to defend Stuart, what I was saying to all the other kids on the playground is in that moment, Stuart matters. And my heart was stirred because that's what it looks like to stand up for the underdog. Do you know that God tells each and every one of us to stand up for underdogs. God tells us to speak up for those that cannot speak up for themselves. And Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 says, speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those that are being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. And so that might take on a lot of different looks. That might mean speaking up for your disabled teenage son by finding a creative way to ride bikes with him on the boardwalk. Or that might mean speaking up for your two disabled teenage daughters by finding a way to take them into the swimming pool with you. It might mean speaking up for my brother, Stuart, and letting the other kids know that, you know what, Stuart matters too. And it might mean speaking up for people that are racially or culturally different from us or unable to speak up for themselves. And if I'm real honest with you, Um, this is a principle that that is kind of taught for all of us. And if I were to tell you right now who I think ought to be spoken up for, I would say it's probably the police right now. Because I look at the way they're being treated, and I go, this is not right. This is an underdog that needs to be spoken up for. And there's a principle that you and I have been taught all of our lives, and it's still applicable today. And, And that's the principle that says two wrongs don't make a right. The Bible states it this way in 1 Thessalonians 5.15. It says, see that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. And you know what I hope? I hope that you and I, that we all have soft enough hearts that when our hearts are stirred, that we will be willing to speak up for underdogs. Which actually leads me to the third lesson that I'm learning in quarantine. And the third lesson is this, that I think the toughest command in all of the Bible is love God and love others. I mean, it doesn't come natural to me to love others, especially those that are different than me. And, and yet listen to what Jesus actually said. Jesus actually said, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. And and again, I see the words of Jesus. They're found in Luke chapter six. And he says, Love your enemies do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. And I don't know about you, but that does not come natural for me. And Jesus goes on. He says, if you love only those who love you, why should you get any credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get any credit? Even sinners do that much. And Jesus says, love your enemies. Do good to them. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Jesus ends his statement by saying, You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. That's why I say, for me, I think the hardest command in all the Bible is to love God and love others. So, those are three lessons. That I think I'm learning right now. And, and my question to you is what about you? What lessons have you been learning in quarantine? And can I suggest a great exercise it would be to pull your life group together, or pull a couple friends together, co workers together, maybe even your family, and just ask each other what have we been learning in quarantine? So, Allison, has actually been learning a lot during quarantine. She sat down with us and described a few of the lessons that she's been learning and Allison has learned a lot about life and about relationships and about finances and about trusting God and I want you to listen to Allison's story and and as you listen to Allison let me ask you again what lessons have you what lessons have you actually been learning in quarantine?
0: My plan was to, you know, get married, have five kids, um, live near my family, and just that was gonna be life. I went to college for a backup plan. That might sound silly, but that was my plan, and I thought it was gonna happen, and it didn't. I was single, I was living on my own. I had a job, but I didn't have necessarily the job I wanted or probably needed to sustain my life. I just accrued a lot, a lot of debt. I was getting myself in a lot of debt where I was putting groceries on credit cards. And every time money was coming in, it went right out the door to pay something. Out of college, I actually met someone. I just had, I guess, a dream that I thought I would just meet the one and I would know and everything would fall into place. And to me, he was that person. And so everything, in I was gonna do everything in my power for it to be him. We had an off, on again, off again relationship for 15 years. So it was a huge part of my life and now I know that it was a huge, toxic part of my life, I would still be in that situation if I didn't get pregnant. And I feel like God tried everything. I mean, looking back at the 15 years I was in this relationship, He tried everything in His power to get me out the door. And I think He just thought, If you won't do it for yourself, you'll do it for your son, and here you go." Definitely in that moment, packing up my car and walking out the door, I was trusting Jesus with everything. I didn't know what was going to happen when I came back, you know, to my family in Lancaster and said, I'm finally, I'm finally done. In order to rebuild, I, you know, first of all, was um, going to LCBC, and that was huge. That was huge. That was being consistent um, with something. I decided to take Financial Peace University here, and I just thought, this this is where you're going to start to trust God. The significant part of it for me was mainly my credit card debt. Dave Safstrom actually stood up in front of the class and was talking about who wants to cut up their credit cards right now. And I stood there and cried as I cut up my target credit card and I cut up all my other credit cards and he asked me in the moment, "What? what's making you emotional? And I said, it's not the credit cards. It's I'm pregnant and what if something goes wrong? So I ended Financial Peace University with you know, all the knowledge that I needed um, to do the program and then had my son. And, you know, you have a baby now and now there's all these other financial um, things that you need to deal with. But I just stuck, I honestly stuck with the course. My plan um, with all the numbers that I was plugging into the Dave Ramsey resources was telling me that I was going to pay off my debt, August 2020. I ended up doing it way in advance, um, several months early, and it happened to be just the day before my son's first birthday, um, which was actually the first week of the pandemic. So I was not working anymore. I knew for the foreseeable future that I was gonna be at home and to have my debt paid off at that point was huge. Right now, we are just living one day, you know, at a time with everyone else right now in this pandemic. And I know that if I trust Him with everything and just in this too, that He will lead me in the right direction. I just have to listen to Him. You know, you say that prayer like, just show me, just show me. and he was probably either screaming or whispering, I am, I am, you're not listening. My name is Allison, and I am a life changed by Christ.